Thanks for checking back in with me again. Episode 17 of the Soundtrack to the Streets podcast. This episode, I have none other than Tom Swoop, the funny guy, one of my favorite people in the world. He's also the guy who gave me my first radio show back in the R Voice radio days. So it was fun to check in with him, hear about his life, how Luther Vandross, Anita Baker, Tupac, Jay-Z all shaped his mind and helped him become the man that he is today. So tune in, let me know what you think, and don't be afraid to share these episodes. Soundtrack to the Streets podcast, available iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your, your podcast from, Apple Podcasts, and of course, SoundtrackToTheStreets.com. Like, share, subscribe, text your friend, tweet your friend, hop in the inbox and tell them, hey, listen to this latest episode. Thank you. Hey, yo, relax your mind, let your conscience be free, and get down to the sounds of your PMD. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Oh, wow. Uh, this is Tyra Smith from EPMD. You got to chill, letting you know Juan is on the right track, and he's going to do nothing but good from this point on in. Oh, All right? I appreciate that. Chill. Soundtrack to the Streets is guests tell me their life story through music because I could just sit across from you and say, so tell me about growing up, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like every time something happened, there was a soundtrack playing in the background. You, you probably remember the first girl you got past first base with. If you don't remember the song, you could tell me the era, what was popular at that time. Like I feel like it's songs that go with everything in life, good, bad, or indifferent. So that's the journey that you're going to take us on today, Tom. Very interesting. Cool. It's just, this ought to be interesting. I mean, there's no wrong answers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, Tom, what mm-hmm. would be your first song? Um, I was born in the late 70s. Um, my mom migrated um, from Alabama to Ohio. Um, my dad, you know, he's from here. And... You know, she was a huge Luther Vandross, Freddie Jackson um, fan. So, you know, being an 80s kid and her my mom, her, my dad with beef and, you know, my dad used to get locked up. He'd be in jail. He wouldn't be in jail. And she used to just play, you know, Luther Vandross records. I mean, this all day and night. And I remember... Um, hearing um, a house is not a home, mm. and just, and my mom can sing, mm. and so listening to her sing and her birthday is the same day as Luther Vandross' birthday. That's crazy. So um, listen to her sing that song, um, and in the emotion that she was going through um, during the separation, because her and my dad had a volatile relationship, but she still like loved him, but. Yeah, when she used to sing that song or play that record, it just brought me back to the 80s. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, even when you listen to the lyrics of the the song, you know, I climbed the stairs um, and turned the key. Oh, please be there. Staying that you're still with me. You know what I'm saying? It it speaks to you on such an intimate, you know, 
level like uh it just it that that song resonates and brings back so many feelings and emotions about my mom and dad's relationship mm. and um it's a classic mm. so when you were a kid did you understand the song or you just was tired of it like she planned no song that's the thing that's crazy yeah. i wasn't tired of it i thought it was a great song i thought i knew the meaning of the song and i could see the emotion wow. in her when she was singing like she used to put on a full performance diana ross mm. like my mom can really go yeah. you know what i'm saying so when she used to sing that song, it's like she was doing a duet with Luther Vandross, and it was live. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And and I I saw what you know she was putting out versus him, and it's that whole record um, that Luther Vandross had. Um, I think that's never too much. Is that never too much? It, it might be never too much, but that was just a classic record. Period. You know, so so now not to get too personal or not personal enough like I'm a product of my parents relationship or the fucked upness of it right so mm -hmm. I struggle as an adult to have healthy relationships with women because I felt like I never saw uh, a healthy one right so I feel like sometimes I overcompensate like with my wife and my kids and stuff because of the lack thereof so when you hear that song, do you kind of like, damn, it kind of triggers emotions of in your relationships? Yeah. You're just going to have to go ahead and kick the buffalo, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, me personally, um, I've been single for a few years now. And I, I perceive if you're not married, you're single. Yeah, fair. Fair. So I've been single. I was married for 13 years. Um, and I've been single for going on seven Almost eight years now. Mm -hmm. And that song talks about, you know, hoping that that person is still, mm -hmm. you know, there at the house waiting for you when you get home and still in love with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I do feel like, and I mean, it's, it's common knowledge that we live in a day and age of too many options. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to throw anchor down on one person and let alone be waiting for that person. Mm -hmm. And because you, you, you can get on Facebook, you can get on, you know, whatever, swipe left, swipe right, and just find somebody else when things aren't working, when your relationship recently adversity. Um, that song is a throwback to please be waiting for me when I get there. And we, we're far removed from that. But, it, but to speak to what you're saying, I do find myself um, waiting. You know what I'm saying? Waiting for the right person to reach out and show that type of effort, energy, and and love. So, so when I I turn the key, all right, it's like two levels to it. Right. All right, then I open the door, you ain't there. So, the in anticipation of me getting to the crib, I don't see your car. Maybe mm -hmm. your sister took it or something. But then I saw that you cleaned out everything from your side of the closet. <laughs> so that's even like deeper, man. But like as kids, like you, you inherit all the things that your parents do. Like I feel like we're a byproduct of it. This is true. Um, some songs just automatically make me feel like it's time to clean up because on the weekends, my mama played Tina Marie or something like that, and I know like Square Bears, man, or. 
Yeah, Square Biz is that. Square, yeah. Square Biz. Yeah. So, like, those songs trigger emotions, like, this the cleanup song. So, um, like, I'm jumping the gun with your list, but Tupac is my all time favorite artist. Mm-hmm. But at the height of Tupac, I'm like eight. But how my soul, like, indebted to Tupac, it would be because of my dad playing it every morning. Smoking a joint and drinking old English, like I equate that to Tupac. So, mm-hmm. so I feel like what you're saying about your mom and your dad. I feel like every kid had that story, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? True. Yep. True. True statement. Big Luther or Little Luther? Uh, I'm gonna go with Fat Sweaty Luther, <laughs> and because I feel like when he was bigger, he could hold notes longer. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like he was younger and bigger. So I kind of feel like he was healthier. Yeah. Um, and the one concert that he had put on when he was fat Luther, uh, I believe it was in LA and he was holding notes effortlessly. And then I saw him a few years later in Vegas and he was little Luther then. And he was sort of cutting the notes off, but he was still Luther. Don't get it wrong. And then don't get it wrong. It's not Luther. It's Lufa. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Okay, that's fair. So, take me to your second track and why. Anita Baker giving you the best that I got. For one, there is only one Anita Baker. Anita Baker is probably one of the most effortless, smooth singers that we will ever come across. Um, Her and Sharday, like, those are two people that I can say. Like with just the littlest effort is so much elegance in their tone and <clears throat> what they bring to performing and the music that they they sing. But giving you the best that I got is just another one of those songs my mom used to play. Um, another record that my mom used to play a lot, that whole album that it's sort of like that's what being in a a sound relationship was supposed to be, is supposed to be. Like that record, what she says and that, you know, I'm giving you everything. I'm not looking back. I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to give you 100% of me all the time. And I feel like we don't do that at all. Still like we, we, we give people, we give people what we want them to have. You know what I'm saying? We show them what we want them to see. And... Before you know it, that's the same thing like when you start dating somebody right now. It's like, yeah, everybody sends their representative. Me personally, I don't believe in that. I'm You're going to get Tom Swoop day one. You know what I'm saying? Because I just b- don't believe in that. And maybe because I was raised differently. I listen to different types of music. I just personally feel in being who you are from the gate. Uh, you will never say, yeah, Tom was different when I met him. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's never mm-hmm. going to be a statement. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be that same dude. And... That record is about giving you the full package day one. This is me. Accept me because I I accept you to me. So I feel totally not opposite, but I kind of understand why people didn't give folks the best that they have. Because Tom, if I give this person everything, then they walk away and I'm left with nothing like, but That's it's a hard. learning experience right. it's, it, it's like You know when you Yeah This is the thing For a long time I was Very Tough Like very emotionally tough Not willing to be vulnerable In yeah. situations yeah. Um, 
always the guy with the answers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But when I finally just been like, yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, I'm hurt. Yeah, my feelings was hurt. Yeah, this is a problem for me. You know what I'm saying? When I became that guy, I slept better. How do you balance that as a strong black alpha male and not get categorized as he's too emo? You know what? I I, I dealt with this girl. I she. This is a perfect example. I dealt with this girl who was very, I wouldn't say mannish. She was very tough. And I knew the only way I was going to get through to her was to be... Um, open um talk to her about emotions stuff like that and ended up backfiring but I, what i learned from dealing with her is it doesn't matter what they do mm. it matters what you do mm. because if you doing something and you're being honest to yourself it don't matter mm. you did it for you yeah you ain't do it for them right. so therefore your success is yours not you know them like yeah we didn't work out but I felt like I learned a lot from that situation you know so yeah I just feel like it's cliche too people say I'm giving you all of me giving you the best but out of 10 relationships probably like 0.5 of people is really doing that and it's a perception thing too somebody could think that they're giving you everything but like I mean I remember I was this one girl she she felt like she was Tom I'm just I'm giving you everything I'm no. I'm no. girl I'm like I've never even been in your house <laughs> like I don't even know your mom's first name yeah, yeah 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 you know what I'm saying like it's a perception thing she thought she was giving me everything mm. nah you wasn't you were just giving me your extent of what you're capable of mm. you weren't stretching you weren't reaching you weren't digging deep nah mm. so. If that song come on right now, what's the first thought that come to your head? Ooh, I'm going to go ahead and say um, Saturday afternoons, early evening, 1985, 1988. Um, coming in from riding bikes with my friends and my mom, the food cooking, and she's singing that song. Um, was your dad there? Or was he, was- he was locked up, I believe. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. My dad was... Bit yeah. of a criminal, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it was just like the eighties. Like people don't understand the eighties and the nineties were such a golden age in America. Because even because back then, even when if you weren't well off, if you weren't middle class, you were still good. You know what I'm saying? You were like, rich in so many other yes, areas. you, you were so yes. It. You I'm know what I'm you. saying? And and I lived in the projects, and I had a BMX bike. You know what I'm saying? My mom always had food on the table. You know, we ate good. You know, we didn't, I didn't have Jordans. and I mean, that wasn't a thing at the time. Nikes, you know, you could get a pair of Nikes or whatever. Converse was more popular back then. But um, we were good. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I remember, like, when I watch Stranger Things, a lot of people don't get it, like, the vibe of Stranger Things like I do. Like, yeah, they were good. They were, you know, they were middle-class families back then. And I had a friend that was middle-class, and I used to go over his house. And, yeah. That's like, when I started realizing I was poor. Exactly. I would go to other people's houses <laughs> and be like, wait, y'all got two Ooh, bathrooms in two, here? It's, it's houses with two bathrooms? Yeah, like, I had no yeah, idea. Like, I, had so. no, I lived in Wilbur Home Projects in Akron, Ohio. I mean, we had a two-bedroom... Uh, one bathroom apartment, 
you know what I'm saying? I thought everybody had roaches. Yeah. I thought, you know what I'm saying, you know, the stuff my mom cooked, I thought that was like the best. Yeah, man. Like I didn't have a steak mm. until I was probably like a teenager and I worked at a restaurant. Yeah. So you brought up the the eighties. Well, I wasn't born in eighty five, so I can't really speak it's like vague. But the nineties I feel like was the best time as well too, because we didn't have cell phones, but like clockwork, my friends and I, we always met up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, the music, like, I feel like... You'll never have a better... Besides, I would say, the 50s in rock and roll. Yeah. Um, but you'll never have a, a golden age of music like the 90s. So, let's have a conversation at the kitchen table, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's about the 90s. And it's about, through the lens of a kid like me, born in 85... And you born in the seventies, so you represent what I looked up to my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that was hustling, getting the the cars, and starting to get the clothes, and y'all had all the chicks, right? Mm-hmm. But the guys like me that would go to school, we would be considered like the afterthoughts, and there was never a time when y'all set us across the table and was like, "Look, homie." Be better than me Well that happened for me Yeah You know Um I got to high school Um September 1991 And The high school I went to Like I went to a junior high In a different neighborhood And it wasn't like Uh It was more of a We poor Neighborhood Whereas I went To high school At a As a We hustling High school, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Bookville High School, Akron, Ohio. Runners up state championship. Um, <clears throat> it was more so like, it was like, if you, the movie Lean On Me. Yeah, man. Like, that was what Bookville was like when I got to Bookville. Um, Like, it was guys who had Cadillacs. It was guys who was selling. It was, you know, it was violent. It was fashionable. It was affluent. I mean, it you know, New Jack City had dropped, I believe, that same year. And, it you know, it was... I remember going to the movies to see New Jack City, and it literally was like Doughboy Festival. You know what I'm saying? And I, re- I remember it was like I, f- I got to a point... The first day I went to school, um, it was a shootout after school, and one of the guys had ran through our backyard, and my mom was barbecuing, and we just saw the dude run. He stopped and looked at us. And kept running And he ended up getting shot dead Like more than 50 steps Away from that Cause he stopped And He could've just stopped Went in our house Something like that But I don't know He he got caught Like at the church's chicken And um They lit him up And It was like That was my first day of school And I was just like Yeah You know Did you ever not feel safe though? I remember J. Cole. J. Cole had a, a a verse in one of his songs, and he was like, you probably know what I'm talking about. He was like, you know, when the gunfire starts, I was the nigga that got closer or something like that. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah, you ran towards the Why gunfire. Do do I, don't I don't know. And it's like, it was something in me that just, I wasn't scared of the life, but I knew the life wasn't mine. But, you know, I was surrounded by the right sequence of men um, that just was like, you know what, you better than this. You can do better. 
Um, but I, I mean, I did all the little stuff back in the day. I, I, I stole, you know, I scammed, I, I, I sold weed, you know, I did all that little stuff back in the, you know, early to mid nineties. Cause we just didn't have it. You know what I'm saying? I went to a school where, you know, you was getting baked if you ain't had the right stuff on. So I did what I had to do back then. So, um, I wouldn't want that for my kids now, but yeah, I did it. So why are we so hard on this generation? I think we're so hard on this generation because we provided a life better for them and they still chose to do the same things. And not only did they do the same things, they did it out of popularity more so than the need. Like I sold weed because I didn't have, I was too young to get a job. You couldn't work until you were 16. With that work permit. And that cost money to get the work permit. Right. So it was like I couldn't work until I was 16. I still needed things. My mom, you know, we was on welfare. So it was like she couldn't afford to do certain things. Um, So I was put in a position where I felt like I needed to do things to get it. Where these kids actually have parents who are doing what they're supposed to do. Making sure that they have. Like, Like, you know... I didn't have a pair of Jordans to like maybe like two years after high school and I was hustling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Whereas these kids parents is breaking their back to get them these stuff right now. And they, it's not enough. It's a sense of entitlement. What have you done for me lately? The new J's just dropped. The newer ones come out in three months, mom, what you going to do? Hmm. That's fair. So you said they're spoiled. Yeah. Okay. And it's the food. Like, I mean, something, like, I, something I remember, in the food. Yeah, I, I personally do feel like it's something in the food because it's like, I mean, I remember I was arguing with one of my little cousins or whatever. And I, he was, you know, I was telling him, like, yeah, back in the day, we was just knuckle up. Y'all be pulling out pistols every time y'all get a second. Like, y'all can't fight to save y'all life. I was like, if I was to fight something about four or five of y'all right now, like, hands to hand, y'all, I would beat four of y'all right now. No no doubt. And he'd be like, no, me and my niggas will squat. For one, nigga, I'll pull out some peanut butter, nigga. Y'all niggas allergic to everything. <laughs> Y'all niggas, be, out, yes, y'all niggas would be Yes Y'all niggas would be Nigga without an EpiPen You not a thug That's funny When I dropped my daughter <laughs> off At school And say this is a Peanut free mm-hmm. campus I'm like How is that possible Yeah how you a thug With an EpiPen Come on man Come on yeah, man <laughs> Alright so Let's keep on the journey So we found out Tom Is a sensitive thug So far uh, We got Anita Baker We got Luther Vandross Number three what was number three? Was it number Tupac? Number three is Tupac. Tupac, right, and, right. And it was violent. Listen, I'm going to tell you like this. The I, first five words of this song is like, my life. They claim that I'm violent. Just because I refuse to be silent. These ignorance are well, having fits because I'm not buying it. The hypocrites are having fits because I'm not buying it. Survival. Yeah, so, I mean, once again, 92, 93. Um... And, and for one, this is this is what's so crazy. I was a big hip hop head back then, and I remember being the only person who was playing this record when it first dropped. And people looking at me crazy, like, "Who is Tupac?" Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Tupac. Like, then, yeah, he wasn't the number two Pac. He was T U P A C, and that's people don't understand that difference. So when I was playing violent and it's like i would i would run home we stay right on like the main strip i would run home 
and I would take my mom's speakers and pull them out the front and put them in front of the house and turn violent on. And then, you know, that, that bass on that, the subs, you know what I'm saying? And that would just start rattling. And it's like, my friends would, I would run like, so I would beat all my friends. So when they walked down the strip going home, I would be sitting on the porch and they would have be forced. They'd be like, you know, everybody like, Oh, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I was like, always oh, a DJ. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that song just, and I, do you remember, do you remember the case where the dude that got pulled over by a white cop and he pulled a gun out and shot the cop? Mm-hmm. He, he pulled a gun out and shot the cop, got arrested, they put him on trial. He blamed that song. Mm. He blamed that song for that. what happened. And, he, you know, they, they put him under, under the jail. The jail yeah. But <laughs> it was just like, I can feel what he was going through. I can feel that because it's like that song made me, quote unquote, now woke. Tom, this, today I was with some, some colleagues and I was like, the older I get, the less tolerance I have. For like authority, and I'm not even that guy, but it's hard to like not watch the shit that's going on and just have a wish a nigga would mentality. And I I'm struggling with that. If I'm but is your but is, is your anger geared towards whites or blacks? Because I find myself more angry with blacks nowadays than I am with whites. Twofold. I'm angry at blacks because. The ignorant shit that y'all doing, I have to pay the cost. Exactly. I'm the dude that get pulled over doing 27. I'm treated like a mass murderer Mm -hmm. because of the shit y'all did in the hood. But you can't take the white people off the hood. No, you can't. Off the hook either. But the older I get, the less tolerance. Like, you see guys getting shot for cleaning out their front yards and shit. Mm -hmm. So I'm struggling, man. It's a it's a different struggle to be black in America, and it's like people don't understand that when I was born, I was born in nineteen seventy six. I was still in the same generation that segregation was. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And people don't understand that. Like the people that were in power when I was born were mm. still in power. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like when they took, like just say, just say you got hired at the county voting agency at 25 and 1955 you still come you but you're right you what i'm saying is that person was still there when i was born in 1976 they were still there as an employee or the director of right i always say my dad was born and couldn't vote and yeah, that's just one generation, and that's what, and that, me, I, and I really feel like white people don't understand that. They don't understand that my parent, my mom was born in 1953 in Union Springs, Alabama. When she she, it would be common to see a person hanging from a tree. That's crazy. And she, what I'm saying is like that's what that's what white America now. And I get it. The millennials are like, yeah, we that wasn't us. But it's still like what y'all understand. Y'all's people still have a legacy of power that is still in place. Lifetime appointments. Yes. Judicial systems and stuff like that. Yes. Like criminal justice systems that have not evolved in 50 years. Yeah. Was it Alabama? One of them still just had a, they still had a, a law against interracial marriage. And it's like 2018. Yeah. So it's like, I get it, but 
y'all don't want to see it on TV. Y'all don't want to see it in popular culture. But what I'm saying is, we're not too far removed from the ghost. Yeah, that the Tupac song. When I was younger, like I still remember hearing it in like the neighborhood I grew up on, like the older guys playing it. So it's nostalgic when I hear it. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was too radical at first. I'm like, why is this dude talking this nonsense? Like. See, I'm young. I didn't get it. I was hip. See, I was already on. It was another rapper from the from California, uh, Ascari X. Yeah, no. yeah Ascari X, and it was a few other militant rappers at this time. And you know, even Ice Cube was a little militant at this time. Lynch Mob, all that kind of stuff. Uh, KRS One was really moving from straight hip hop to more of a militant message. Yeah. Uh, public enemy Same thing Militant message So it was It was guys out there That was actually Trying to change The conversation But it wasn't A popular conversation So you had to Hit them with the beat You had to hit them With you know Hoes here Hoes there um, More dancing type stuff Cause this was a Dancing Era of hip hop Right here in the early 90s You know Late 80s Early 90s You know You had Heavy D You know what I'm saying You had like Your big popular rappers LL Cool J it was still dancing, commercial. so right commercial. So when yeah, these went, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is all like that's why I said this is the golden age. You had everything. We were killing the charts. Find what you like and go in that mm-hmm. pocket and hang out. Yeah. yeah, you know it was so many rappers that, like, just think, man. In ninety two, ninety three, you talking about the Boys in the Hood soundtrack? Mm. You know what I'm saying? You talking about DJ Quick? You talking about NWA still? You know what I'm saying? It was just too. It was so much good music. When I when I think of that time, I feel like that was the era of black culture, like finding itself too, because the cream was rising to the crop. It was so much stuff, and then like people argue like '96 was the greatest era, meaning the greatest year in hip hop when all them albums came out. Mm -hmm. But I feel like um, NWA. Then you had fucking like MC8, like mm-hmm. that was the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had the East Coast, like it was still hip hop, but it was like two extremes. Like today, mm-hmm. everybody sound pretty similar, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like this is being like a second generation hip hopper, in mm-hmm. my opinion, like that. So when, when Tupac above the rim, so much pain, I can't help but notice your pain. Yeah. I'm tired of the strain and the pain. Like, no, that no. right there. Let me tell you, that song means so much to me. Um, and it's not actually, if you try to find it, it's actually not it's on not the on other above soundtrack. It's hard. Because it was a bonus track added to the CD version. So it didn't come out with the record. You had to got the, the, the above the rim soundtrack with the bonus tracks included. And I mean, they never take me alive from getting high with my 4-5 Copped on these suckers time to die Even as a youngster causing ruckus on the back of the bus I was a fool off through high school kicking up dust Now they label me a troublemaker Who could I blame? Smoke a weed help me take away the pain Now I'm hopeless Rolling down the freeway swerving You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't understand That song meant so much to me Exactly Yo, that's my life right there <laughs> Exactly And that's the picture that Tupac paints That can nobody hold his brush 
that's the picture. That's why Tupac goes down as one of the greatest lyricists, MCs, rappers, whatever you want to call it, is because he was able to pick up that brush and paint that picture, and he painted it with emotion and visual like stimuli that connected with a generation. The reason I feel like a lot of people love Tupac because it's like so many layers of him that you can grab onto. Yeah. Like, if you're that artsy kid, you like, yo, Tupac was that guy. But if you want to be a part of the movement, be a Panther, you can tie on to that. If it's like, F your enemies, like, yeah. you, can, you know what I mean? So, it's a lame for everybody. So He's the mall. Yeah. It's, it's tough. <laughs> so, like, since we're talking to Tupac, where was when you first heard Hit Him Up? When I first heard Hit Him Up, I was just like, the first line like was just like, that's why I fucked your bitch. Like, <laughs> it's an argument. Wherever you at, like, it's, we about to fight. Like, it's over with, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I Pac, man, Pac is one of the people that I just wish I knew him and I was close to him because his problem was the people who he surrounded himself with. Because I felt like the Biggie situation was what, totally blown out of how proportion. How we know it is, it's not that way. Yeah. And it's like, it turned into something that other people said. It's just like, put it like this. You ever had a friend and you was beefing with your friend and you happen to vent to another friend and that friend becomes more mad than you? Yep. Pac loyalty is what got him killed. Mm-hmm. But... But let's stay on to okay. you though. Like in that time, like what did that mean to you? Like in '96, you are a grown man. Like, mm-hmm. and y'all the same age. Yeah. So that had to hit home even more. Like, like, damn, when he died. And I and I was a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I used to rap. So it was yeah. like I wanted to be on that stage. And it's like, um, you know, when I saw what happened to Tupac and Biggie, it was more so, and it was a couple other rappers that fell that year. Um, when I saw what happened to him, and then, you know, years later, putting the stories together of all the stuff that factually happened and how what led up to it. Terrible movie they made about Tupac, though. It, it, it makes me feel like I wish I could have helped, helped him. You know what I'm saying, and I, and because I, I I feel like everybody be like, you know, if Tupac was alive, he'd be um um our 44th president. president right. You know what I'm saying, and I'd be like, yeah, like the one dude was like, yeah, I don't know about that. He also could have been that, you know, that dude in that Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> so it's like, I get it. I do feel like he would have meant something to this generation, mm-hmm. and he would have meant something to the end of the '90s and the early 2000s. Um. He just needed to separate. Um, but for me personally, it was an emptiness. Like, I thought, because, you know, he had been shot before. thought he was going to come home. I thought he was going to come home. Um, when they I said, really you know, day. especially after, you know, there was like day two, day three, day four. I'm like, all right, so he's going to be good. He's he been in the hospital for five he days. Died, yeah. He ain't going to die. You know what I'm saying? But when, I remember, never forget it, we was, we was headed to my cousin Brian's house. We had made a right on Princeton Street. 
and we just bought four houses and they came on 93 and they broke you know broke cut the song off and it was just like you know um the rapper tupac shakur has just died i remember i was at two of my grandma's porch like the whole hood was like yeah. morning at that time like like I, I remember my eyes like even right now like my eyes yeah. start to water because it's like you know he he meant so much to so many people and he meant a lot to me um because i kind of felt like you know we were similar you know what i'm saying everybody, was everybody like felt like they had yeah. tupac in him you know what i'm saying but yeah that's you would see him and be like man that's the lost kid and me too like mm-hmm. i want to be loved like he's the guy that wanted everybody to be his friend too mm-hmm. but if he see you can jump he gonna help you like is he felt like a piece of everybody's family but tupac's the greatest Jay Z is my favorite. If I would have to, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in, yeah. I'm in league with you. Yeah, so that was track four. Like uh-huh. hey, we kind of lumped uh-huh. it in, but but I was on Tupac, like the Juice movie. Yeah, like he he was so dynamic as an actor. I literally could see Tupac becoming an Oscar award winner yeah. as far as his acting ability cuz he was he was extremely dynamic, extremely visual, face manipulation, attitude, body style. I mean, he he had all the tools to become a great actor, all of them. So the reason I have Technique 1200s in my basement is because of Quincy from mm-hmm. Juice. Mm-hmm. All them cutting school mm-hmm. in the kitchen, pouring beer in the the food. Mm-hmm. That was my older cousins. Like it felt like they stole our life story and put it on screen. I feel like that's why so many people connected to them. Like mm-hmm. I've never sold anything. I've never like shot anything. But when I saw that movie, I was like, oh shit! Like this is like real life, dog. And Tupac was a a mythical creature. To Black me. people are way more connected than than popular culture would have you think. You know what I'm saying? Like our similarities are very small yeah. when you look at us as a whole because they they want you to think that we're this mass of uncontrollable yeah. animals yeah. when actually we're a small percentage yeah. and the only reason we're so visual is because we live in major metropolitan areas. Yeah. That's it. It's some states where the, the population of black people is less than 1%. Yeah. But they don't want to tell you that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why when you see these these voting election results and it's like how is this whole state like red? Like and it's like 99% because there's no people of color there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, go to Montana, find 20 niggas, I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> so, it's yeah. like, that yeah. that's just the reality of the situation. And, you know, our stories are similar, our families are similar, but yeah. they've disconnected us so much from each other yeah. um, systematically that it's very difficult. Like, it, it amazes me about why people beef with other black people. Like, it's it was it was surgical. It was surgical. Like they they said, you know what? Stop lynching them. Stop putting them on TV like that. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's get these moms some welfare. Let's put these dads in jail. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a surgical assault. Wow. And it's worked to this day. That's what's that's what's crazy. And it wasn't like you said that long ago though. Mm-hmm. So we're still kind of figuring out what the hell happened though mm-hmm. so 1980 when crack hit mm-hmm. 80 it was, crack was more of a 
a mid to late eighties yeah. type okay. thing. You I know, we that. they was they were still moving, you know, coke and heroin early in the early eighties and that's where I, in, in marijuana, you know, mostly. Um you know, I was catching it off the boat, but, but. <laughs> all right, Frank. <laughs> but I am a crack baby. Yes. i my mom never did drugs, but everything around me was a byproduct of drugs. Either they were selling it, using it, or robbing people because you got the money from selling it. I remember my grandmother saying, Hey Juan, go get my pocketbook from out of my room. I couldn't get in their door. Because a aunt of mine was leaned up against the door with a belt tied around mm-hmm. her with a needle in it. So, like, I'm nine, and I'm just, I just stepped right over and went to grab my Excuse grandma. me, I got to get grandma's yeah, pocket, so, but you, mean, just, you just sit there and do you. My cousins were selling it. Yeah. Um, then all the, my homeboys' fathers went to jail, so we're looking around like, so, about to figure this shit out because of crack, so... I I wore the badge of honor like of a crack baby in the sense of no it's not in my system like in my blood mm-hmm. but psychologically emotionally like environmentally I am definitely like a product of that shit yeah so I think we are all are um, to a certain extent you know I mean we I remember playing basketball and you know basketball go flat cause somebody done dribbled over a needle, a needle. and. It's just that was life, and it's like for us, it was just an adventure. Like I remember watching Goonies, and like they was going on their quest, and I'm like, yeah, nigga. that was our quest was going around the corner and seeing a dead body for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. just like, yeah, I saw one eye, Willie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had or, one eye for real. Or like I mentioned, Jay Z, Stash Box, Five Sixty State mm-hmm. Street. I remember right across the street, all the dudes used to stand on the block, and they would have it. Some would have it in the can, some mm-hmm. would have it in the brown bag, and they would, they would never have it on them because if the police roll up, they would never want, or they would hide it in their butt and all that kind mm-hmm. of shit. You'd be like, man, that was normal. But now I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, you know, I got a friend. I got a friend. Um, I ain't gonna say his name. Let's just call him Hush. But I got a friend, he's from Cleveland, and I remember we had a job together and we worked with each other and he he was just a natural born hustler. And but he was our supervisor and we were janitors at the hospital. And I remember him saying, like, you know, I'm gonna have to do it. And he had a job. He used to tell me about his, you know, his 401k mm. and setting up his IRA Roth and a little bit of money he was taking out of his check and putting it in there. And he was on a path to, you know, becoming like a solid citizen or whatever. But it, it just wasn't enough. And he had a natural ability to, you know, make money. And he eventually got involved um, in the street life and he did really well for himself. Like really well for himself I'll tell you his name afterwards mm. But He ended up getting locked up He did You know 10 years He just recently came home And um It's just I just wish It was some way To redirect Our talented black men With this This natural ability To fortune you know, 500 companies Fortune 500 companies uh, You know Where's our Jordan Belfors and you know what I'm saying you know people who could have just did it legally but legally you know so 
So how did you how did you escape that life though? Um, it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. I it was an incident that happened to me in uh it was a sequence of incidents that happened to me in Cincinnati, Ohio, um in July of nineteen ninety eight. Um <clears throat> I'm thirteen, so just put this in perspective. Okay. Go ahead. So I came out I went to the, the store. I was hanging out with some dudes I shouldn't have been hanging out with, and I was sort of dragging behind with them. And I went in the store and bought a 40. And when I came out, it was this dude arguing in the parking lot. And he was just like, you know what? I'm going to go in the store and just blow this nigga up or something like that. And I'm thinking he just about to go in there and run his mouth or whatever. I come out the store. I got the 40 in my hand. And next thing you know, like, boom. This dude then threw a firebomb in the store. like, And it's on fire now. And, like, people running out. And the store just end up catching them on fire and then go up. So I'm I'm at the time I'm high and I'm drunk. So I got the forty and I'm like, all right. So I, we go over to the park to sit down and drink and we all just like that was crazy. So I open up my forty bottle and my dude like, dude, don't drink that. And I'm looking and he take the the the, the bag off of it. It's a rat no. inside my bottle. Holy shit! Like inside my bottle and I was just like. What I'm like about to drink it, you know what I'm saying? And it's like a, it's like a whole rat inside the bottle, and I'm like, I throw it on the floor, bust it, and so I'm at this time I'm hustling, so I go try to catch this play, and I it's from like one of my loyal, you know, this older lady. She she used to get right with me, like she buy like two ounces. This is weed. This is number weed, but she get like two ounces on me like every four days. So I go to her house, well, apartment. This is seven twenty one Clark Street, Cincinnati. Um, Statue of limitations are long. Right, long, they over it. Yeah, but and this is all crazy because like they ended up shooting. Uh, remember the movie In Too Deep? Yeah, yeah. They shot that right there, like at my in front of my. They stole your movie. Yeah. So, and the dude was from Akron. That was so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I I go you know catch this play with um her. I come out the building. It's like four little niggas. They probably like 13, 14 years old. They all pull straps out. They like give it to me. And I'm like, at first, I'm just like, I ain't about to get y'all nothing. But then I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Y'all can have it. Yeah. So I think I have I have about a QP on me. I gave up pound for my, my corporate American people. <laughs> so I gave up the I gave up the weed. I gave up the money. They took my beeper. Uh, <laughs> that's just saying how long it is. It was a two way. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, I was doing it. He was balling. He was balling. So they took my two way, and I was just like, man. This could have ended the wrong way, mm. and um, I remember it, it was it was another sequence of events. Like I ended up was messing with these three girls, and all three girls ended up getting pregnant. Okay, and so one girl ended up losing the baby, one girl had an abortion, one girl kept the baby, and yeah. I was just like, you know what, I'm just go home and try to be the best dad I can be because <laughs> <laughs> these streets ain't for me. <laughs> You, you know what I'm saying? Some eight some year kids. Olds, <laughs> and you got triplets by three different. You probably yes. the game ain't for everybody. The game ain't for everybody. I was just like, you know what? I almost got caught on fire. Oh, I almost a drank a rat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was just like, yeah, the game ain't for me. You know what I'm saying? And I just went home. I, I got on the the next bus back to Akron. Yeah. Um, I came home. I saved up a little bit of money. I got a job, and it was a sacrifice because like. 
I could at the time like I ain't gonna, I'm not a lot of people blow their horns like I could really rhyme back then yeah. and I could put the stuff together so quickly and I kind of felt like I was nice nice and I stopped everything bro I stopped everything I got a job and became Joe Smell mm-hmm. and I just that's it that's good though that's okay to be that we it's okay we don't give Joe Small enough credit we like, don't yeah alright take us home the last track why Hovey Hove is the coldest can I live Jay Z um what's that 95 96 Reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. So Ninety six. Yeah. Okay. All right. Jay Z is the most influential artist of our generation. For one, I and once again, I remember going to two live music. Like, yo, I remember hearing Jay Z on one of DJ Clue's mixtapes. I want to say it was the 50, 50 greatest MCs. It was one. I, Jada has snapped at first. Like he, Jada has snapped on the. The first track, he was like, oh, I used to have bad luck. Now you like might you see, see me in a jack truck, truck mad stuck, yeah. either with a dime or a bad like, duck. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he's all right, but he's not real. Like, go ahead. But, go ahead. but it's like, and I remember hearing Jay Z, like, on one of the Clues mixtapes, and I'm, and this is back when it was literally a tape. And I remember going into Two Live Music, like, hey, y'all got that, that Jay Z? Nope. Hey, y'all got that Jay Z? Nope. Hey, y'all got that Jay Z? You know what I'm saying? And when I finally got it, I I played it till it popped. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I felt like I was his spokesperson. Like everywhere I would go, I'd be like, dude, y'all need to listen to this dude, Jay Z. Caught on late in this region. Like it was, it was tough. I didn't listen to Jay Z because Tupac said F Jay Z. I'm just being honest. Not at this point though. Not at this point. Like at this point, but I was late coming to. Yeah, okay. I I went back to. I wasn't always. Yeah, at this point, it was just like, who's this funny looking dude? You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, I remember playing "Can I Live," and it was just like, yeah, nobody got lyrics like this. You know what I'm saying? And when he was like, uh, see. Was Can I Live the one who was like, I keep one eye open like CBS, CBS see me stress? Right? Like, I was just like, you know what, nigga? You winning forever yeah, for man. saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that was, that reignited my need to rhyme. Put the pen back up, yeah. yeah. And I started writing again. I ended up putting out a CD that did really well locally. Can we um, find it? Hmm? You still got it? Can we I have it? some of the tracks, yeah. I remember it was some... It was a segment of cats in Cleveland that used to rock the Wallabies. Mm-hmm. And I was that was me. Go up to New York every week. They were Jay Z's spokespeople. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I just couldn't listen to it because it was like East Coast, and I had to pick a side. But that was the greatest time of like you understand when can I when when reasonable drought drought doubt dropped. You know what I think we had still not 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 stillmatic, but. Now Illmatic was still hot And Nas was about to drop um, Is it Stillmatic? Stillmatic You know what I'm saying Stillmatic And when Nas came through On the flatbed With Lauren Hill Like I rule the world Yeah You love to hear the stories How the thugs You know what I'm saying run home To watch the video Yes Because if you missed it You ain't gonna see it again Yes And it's It's like That was That was our gate You understand That period of time Opened our eyes To 
black wealth. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't see niggas with that type of money. Aspirational music. Yes. Yeah. So it's like when I started to see, you know, when Jay Z was selling out concert venues and all that kind of stuff, I was just like, me, I always logically think of things, and I was, and I remember getting to the point like I was like, okay, I'm a good rapper, but I'm never going to make it as a rapper. Mm. I need to figure out another way That's into fair. the building. Because everybody was trying to go through the front door. I needed to find a side window. I needed to find a back door, a a crawl space, something else. And so I started promoting. Um, I started booking shows. Smart. You know what I'm saying? Different things like that to create revenue. And that's how I sort of started to get my name out there. So... When I see when I see Jay Z and what he's accomplished as an artist, as an entrepreneur, as a social activist, number one to me now, yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, there's there's no person that I look up to more right now in the world than Sean Carter. But hold on, people say he's became this black wealth, black excellent rapper. I felt like those lines has always been. In his his bodies of work, like it's yeah, always been always. like, I mean, just having your own record deal or black excellence and all that stuff. But to the track "Can I Live," that was a statement we would say to each other. Like, if a dude was like hating on you with a chick, man, can, can I, I live? live like, bro? It, it became yeah, like yeah. a way of life. So, yeah. a lot of his his raps become. Do you do this with your your homeboys? Like every life. Situation can revert back to a whole line. Yes, like, I could talk through anything. Yes, with with a Jay Z line. Me and my sister at one point, I was just like, she was saying something. I was like, nigga, is you about to do the gospel of Jay Z? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, nigga, I am, because it's yeah. like even when I went to the concert, I had made myself a shirt, and it was the line, um, uh, just don't be too nice to niggas. Set the price on niggas and live your life, live my, life nigga. my niggas. And and people, that was so simple. But you don't understand, man. If you let these people run you, they will run you into the ground. And know what, what you, you worth exactly? Yeah. You gotta just set the price on them and be like, hey, this is what it is. You can either do it or you don't. But yeah. you don't understand. I can do that all day yeah. long. I found myself like. WWJD What would JD Exactly be Like okay It's a line that will go yeah. Like First book Reasonable Doubt Verse yeah. 2 Yeah um, The Jay Z says yeah. Oh ye it's, 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 it's just <laughs> But there's a congregation And be like It makes sense Because mm-hmm. he, He's a guy that It just makes sense to you Like with the 444 album Like I'm coming to manhood Like as a husband As a father It's like yo this some deep shit right here. Mm-hmm. Like the day that I was getting married is the day the CD came out. I'm like, yo, he made this album for, for me. me. Like, yeah. This was for me. But can I live? Is is Reasonable Dollar's best album, or is it your favorite? <sighs> this is this is tricky. Yeah, I love Reasonable Doubt. Man, this is tough. I love Reasonable Doubt. I also love um, the soundtrack to um, uh, with Blue Magic and... Uh, oh, my God. American Gangster. Yeah, American oh, Gangster. Yeah. 
So it's just because like, I love that movie so much, it kind of like goes together. Yeah, you know the party life, and yeah. you know, and then it's like then, then you go back to that like late nineties, early stuff when he was you know sexy, sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole was back. Yeah, Ugh. you know, it's just like the whole world stopped wearing jerseys and put on the button yes. up and the hat with the brand on. Yes, and stuff like that. Yeah. it's just I can't. It's I'm a Jay-Z fan, man. Yeah. Like, I'm a big... Like, anytime he's going on concert in the last 10 years, I've been there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm spitting distance close. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's just it. And when... What CD was it? When If you like me, you probably reading the packaging on the CD right now. And I really do that to every album. I, I read the credits. Mm-hmm. He was the studio engineer. But it's my last Jay-Z question for you. Some of the greatest intros ever are Jay Z intros. Right? Yes, I was just thinking that today. What's your favorite intro? Um, um, the greatest, the greatest intro of any song is um, how does it go? Um, I I will I always say when the dude be like, um, I submit this this testimony to be a living document. Um, Da, da, da. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho H to the O V. I used to come on, man. When you hear that live you in know, the drums, uh, no question. Yeah, bro. Uh, mine will be um, run this town. The real is back. Yeah, like Kingdom Come. Like I, I just remember like where I was at. I had to pull over because it was. It became like a moment. I was like, yo. What the hell is this? Yeah. So that would be my number one. Yeah. Um, I could do this all but day. Those are intro. Um, that allowed me to rent. That wasn't like an intro. I'm talking about like the opening up an album. Oh, you mean opening oh. up an album? Okay. But run this town at a at a concert. Like I remember, I came came I was, out the ground up in Cleveland and yeah, yeah like, smoking yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, but I, yeah. But I'm talking about if you had to pick like track one on a on an album. Um, yeah, yeah. The theme song yeah. to the Sopranos, like, mm-hmm. but Thomas was fun, man. I I've learned a lot about you in this sixty minutes. Sixty minutes. But I feel like we could do like four more hours of just Jay Z though. Yeah. So I learned that you're a sensitive thug who love love. Wow. I don't know about I wouldn't call myself a thug I, I would just say I'm um, strategically able to whoop ass oh, no. and I took the, the negative connotation from thug away from the people so embrace it man yeah, thug, thug still for me is um, it's a level of ignorance involved with being a thug and I, I kind of feel like I'm past that at this point in the movie yeah. <laughs> so it's act 3 or something like that but um, uh, I really appreciate you sharing your soundtrack to your life. And I know it was like a B-side to this. So um, I think we need to get back together and, and do this again. Gangster. But yeah. Tupac's The Greatest holds my favorite. I, I agree. Anything else you want to say to the people? Last words, man. Um, Love each other. You know what I'm saying? Connect with somebody you ain't connect with in a while. Um, build a bridge. Show somebody who don't know what they can be, what they can be. Wow. The last guest I had was sharing how him and his roommate fell out having spoke since college. Then he texted me the next day like, my roommate just randomly called me. 
So that's crazy that you said that. So connect with some people that you have. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you.